Good evening, my brothers and sisters. Good evening. Once again, you listen to Wellness with Simelia. Success through a positive mental attitude. Continue. Chapter 7. Learn to say. When he was born, Judge W. Campbell was blind. Bilateral congenital cataracts, the doctor called it. George's father looked at the doctor, not wanting to believe. Is not there anything you can do? Would not an operation help? No, said the doctor. As of now, we know of no way to treat this condition. Judge Campbell could not say, but the love and faith of his parents made his life rich. As a very young boy, he did not know that he was missing anything. And then, when Judge was six years old, something happened, which he was not able to understand. One afternoon, he was playing with another youngster. The other boy, forgetting that George was blind, tossed a ball to him. Look out! Let it hit you! The ball did hit George, and nothing in his life was quite the same after that. George was not hurt, but he was greatly puzzled. Later, he asked his mother, How could Bill know what's going to happen to me before I know it? His mother sighed. For now, the moment she dreaded had arrived. Now it was necessary for her to tell her son for the first time, You are blind. And here is how she did it. Sit down, George, she said softly. As she reached over and took one of his hands, I may not be able to describe it to you, and you may not be able to understand, but let me try to explain it this way. And sympathetically, she took one of his little hands in hers and starts counted the fingers one two three four five those fingers are similar to what is known as the five senses she touched each finger between her thumb and index finger in sequence as she continued the explanation. This little finger for hearing, this little finger for touch, this little finger for smell, this one for taste, and then this one is for sight. And each of the five senses like each of the five fingers send messages to your brain 
Then she closed the little finger which she had named Sight and tied it to so that it would stay next to the palm of George's hand. George, you are different from other boys, she explained, because you have the use of only four senses, like four fingers, one hearing, two touch, three smell, and four taste. But you don't have the use of your sense of sight. Now, I want to show you something else. Stand up, she said gently. George stood up. His mother picked up his ball. Now hold out your hand as if you were going to catch this, she said. George held out his hand, and in a moment, he left the hard ball. He felt the hard ball hit his fingers. He closed them tightly around him and cut it. Fine, fine, said his mother. I never want you to forget what you have just done. You can catch a ball with four fingers instead of five. George, you can also catch and hold a full and happy life with four senses instead of five. If you get in there and keep trying. Now, George's mother had used a metaphor, such a simple method. Of communication. Communicating idea between persons, George never forget the symbol of four fingers instead of five. It means to him the symbol of hope. And whenever he become discouraged because of his handicap, he used the symbol as a self-motivator. It because it formed of self-suggestion to him for he would repeat four fingers instead of five frequently at time of need he would flash from his subconscious to his conscious mind and he found that his mother was right he was able to get a full life and hold it with the use of the four senses which he did have. But Judge Campbell's story does not end here. In the middle of his junior year, at high school, the boy became ill, and it was necessary for him to go to the hospital. While Judge was vinculating, his father brought him information from which he learned that science had developed a cure for congenital cataract. Of course, there was a chance of failure, but the chances for success far outweighed those for failure. 
judge wants so much to say that he was willing to risk failure in order to see. During the next six months for delicate surgical operations were performed two on each eye. For days, George lay in the dark hospital room with bandages over his eyes. And finally, the day came for the bandages to be removed. Slowly, carefully, the doctor unwound the gas from around George's eyes, head and over his eyes. There was only a blur of light. George Campbell was still technically blind. For one awful moment, he lay thinking, and then he heard the doctor moving beside his bed. Something was being placed over his eyes. Now, can you see? Came the doctor's question. Judge raised his head slightly from the pillow. The blow of light became color. The color a form, a figure. Judge! A voice said. He recognized the voice. It was his mother's voice. For the first time in his 18 years of life, George Campbell was seeing his mother. There were the tired eyes, the wrinkled, 62 years old face, and the knocked hands. But to George, she was most beautiful. To him, she was an angel. The years of talk and patience, the years of teaching and planning, the years of being his seeing eyes, the love and affection that was what George saw. To this day, he treasured his first visual picture, the sight of his mother. And as you will see, he learned an appreciation for his sense of sight from this first experience. None of us can understand, he says, the miracle of sight unless we have had to do without it. Seeing is a learned process. But George also learned something that is very helpful to anyone interested in the study of piano. He will never forget the day he saw his mother standing before him in the hospital room and did not know who she was or even what she was until he heard her speak. What we see Judge pointed out he's always an interpretation of the mind. We have to train the mind to interpret what we see. This observation is based by science. Most of the process of seeing is not done by the eyes at all, says Dr. Samuel. In describing the mental process of seeing, the eyes act as hands which reach out there and grab meaningless things and 
Brandon turns the things over to the memory. It is not until the brain interprets in terms of comparative action that we realize we see anything. Some of us go through life saying very little of the power and the glory around us. We do not properly filter the information that our eyes give us through the mental processes of the brain. As a result, we often behold things without really seeing them at all. We receive physical impressions without grasping their meaning to us. We do not, in other words, put PMA to work on the impressions that are sent to our brain. It is time to have your mental vision checked. Not your physical vision. That is a matter for the medical specialist. But mental vision, like physical vision, can become distorted. When it does, you can grow in a haze of false concern, bumping and hurting yourself and others unnecessarily. The most common physical weakness of the eyes are two opposite extremes, nearsightedness and farsightedness. Those are the mere distortion of mental vision too. The person who is mentally nearsighted is apt to overlook objects and possibility that are distant. He pays attention only to the problem immediately at hand and is blind to the opportunity that could be his by thinking and planning in terms of the future. You are nearsighted. If you do not make plans, form objective, and lay the foundation for the future, on the other hand, the mental farsighted person is apt to overlook all possibility that's right before him. He does not see the opportunities at hand. He sees only a dream world of the future unrelated to the presence. He wants to start at the top rather than move up step by step. And he does not recognize that the only job where you can start at the top is the job of design a whole. They look and recognize what they saw. So, in the process of learning to see, you will want to develop both your near side and your far side. The advantages to the man who knows how to see what is directly in front of him are enormous. For years, the people in the little town of Dubai, Montana, used to look up 
at what they call Crystal Mountain. The mountain was given this name because erosion had exposed a ledge of a lightly sparkling crystal that looks something like rock salt. A pack trail was built directly across the outcropping as early as 1937. But it was not until the year 1951, 14 years later, that anyone bothered to stop down. Pick up a piece of the sparkling material and really look at it. It was in the year 1951 that two derby men, Mr. A.E. and Mr. L.I. Thompson, saw a mineral collection displayed in that town. Thompson and Camley become very excited. There in the mineral display were specimens of burial which, according to the attached card, was used in atomic energy research. Immediately, Thompson and Camley stayed Claim on Crystal Mountain. Thompson sent a specimen of the ore to the Bureau of Mines Office in Spoken, together with a request to send an examiner to see a very large deposit of the mineral. Later that year, the Bureau of Mines sent a bulldozer up the mountain and scrapped off enough of the outcropping to determine that here indeed was one of the world's greatest deposits of extremely valuable beryllium. Today, heavy earth moving trucks struggle up the mountain and walk their way back down again. Weight down with the extremely heavy ore. While at the bottom, virtually, virtually waiting with dollar bills in their hand, a representative of the United States Steel Company in the United States government, each anxious to buy their highly valuable all because one day two young men not only observed with their eyes but took the trouble to see with their minds. Today, these men are well on their way to being multimillionaires. A mentally foresight person could not have done what Thompson and Camille did if his mental vision were distorted. For he is the man who can see only far off value while the advantages that lie at his feet go unclimbed. Are there fortune right at your doorstep? Look about you. As you go about your daily shore, are there small areas of irritation? Perhaps you can think of a way to overcome them.
only to yourself but to others. Many a man have made a fortune by meeting such homely needs. This was so of the man who invented the bobby pin and the one who devised the paper clip. It was so of the man who invented the zipper and the mental pants fastener. Look about you. Learn to see. You may find a case of diamonds in your own backyard, but mental sightedness can be just as much of a problem as mental farsightedness. The man with this problem sees only what is under his nose, while more distant possibility go on climb. He is the man who does not understand the power of a plant. He does not understand the value of taking time. He is so busy with the problems that immediately confront him that he does not free his mind to arrange to the distance, reaching for new opportunity, seeking trend, getting the big picture. Being able to see into the future is one of the most spectacular accomplishments of the human brain. Down in the heart of the citrus belt in Florida, there is a little town called Winter Heaven. Winter Haven, the surrounding country, is farmland. Certainly, it would be considered by most people as an era. Entirely and sweet for a large tourist attraction. It is isolated. It has no beach, no mountains, only miles after miles of gentle rolling hill with little lakes and cypress romp down in the valleys. But to this region came a man who saw the cypress romp with an eye that other had not used. His name was Richard Pope. Dick Pope bought one of those old cypress romp, put a fence around it, and has turned down offers of at least a million dollars for the world famous Cypress Garden. Of course, it really was not as simple as that. All along, the line Dick Pope had to see opportunity in his situation. instant there was the question of advertising Pope knew that the only way he would be able to draw the public into such an isolated place was through a barrage of advertising but ads cost money 
So what Dick Pope did was quite simple. He went into the popular photography business. He set up a photo supply house at Cypress Gardens, sold his visitors film and then taught them how to take spectacular shots of the garden. He hired skilled water skills. He put them through intricate performances while over a loudspeaker he announced to the public exactly what camera settings they could use in order to catch the action. And then, of course, when those travelers went back home, the very best pictures were always of Cypress Garden. They gave Vic Pope the very best kind of advertisement there is, word of mouth recommendation. With picture, this is the kind of creative scene that we all need to develop. We need to learn how to look at our world with fresh eyes, seeing the opportunities that lie all about us, but simultaneously looking into the future for the chances that are there. Seeing is a learned skill, but like any skill, it must be excite, exercised. See another person's abilities, capacities, and viewpoint. We may think we recognize our own talents, yet in this respect, we may be blind. Let's illustrate with an example of a teacher who needed to have her mental vision checked. She was both nearsight and farsight, for she could not see either the present or the future potential ability and capacity of the student or their point of view. Now, everyone, the great and the near great, had to have a starting point. They were not born brilliant and successful. As a matter of fact, some of our greatest men were regarded as quite stupid. At time during their lives, it was not until they gasped a positive mental attitude and learned to comprehend their capabilities and envision definite goal that they start their claims to success. But there was one young man in particular whom his teacher thought he was stupid. A middle-head blockhead, the youngster sat and drew pictures on his slate. He looked about and listened to everybody else. He asked impossible questions, but refused to reveal what he knew. Even under the threats of punishment, the children call him Dons, and he generally stood at the foot of his class. And this boy was Thomas Alva Edison. You will be inspired when you read the little story of Thomas A. 
He attended primary school for a total period of less than three months. The teacher and his schoolmate told him that he was stupid. Yet he became an educated man after an accident in his life prompted him to turn his talisman from enemy to PMA. He developed into a gifted person. He became a great inventor. What was that incident? What happened to Edison that changed his whole attitude? He told his mother about hearing the teacher tell the inspector at school that he was idle and it would not be worthwhile to keep him in school any longer. His mother marched off to school with him and told all within range of her voice that her son Thomas Oliver Edison had more brain than the teacher or the inspector. Edison called his mother the most enthusiastic champion a boy ever had. And from that day forward, he was a change boy. He said, She cast over me an influence which had lasted all my life. The good effect of her early training I can never lose. My mother was always kind, always sympathetic, and she never misunderstood or misjudged me. His mother's belief in him caused him to view himself in an entirely different light. It caused him to turn his talisman to PMA and take a positive mental attitude regarding studying and learning. This attitude taught Edison to view things with deeper mental insight that enabled him to comprehend and develop inventions which benefit mankind. Perhaps the teacher did not see because the teacher was not genuinely interested in helping the boy. His mother was. You have a tendency to see what you want to see. To hear does not necessarily imply attention or application. To listen always does. Throughout success, through a positive mental attitude, we urge you to listen to the message. This means to see how you can relate and assimilate the principle into your own life. Perhaps you'd like to see how you can relate the principle of the following experience into your own life. Dr. Roy DuPont chemist made an experiment he felt. When he opened the test tube after the experiment, he observed that it apparently contained nothing. 
He was curious. He asked himself, why? He did not throw the tube away as others might have done under similar circumstances. Instead, he weighed the tube he wedged the tube and to his surprise it wedged more than a tube of like making design. So again, Dr. Plunkett asked himself why. In searching for the answer to his question, he discovered that marvelous transparent plastic tetrafluorin Italine, commonly known as Teflon. During the Korean War, the United States government contracted for Dupont entire output. When there is something you don't understand, ask yourself why. Look at it more closely. You may make a great discovery. Ask yourself questions, asking yourself or others questions about things that puzzle you, may reward you richly. This very procedure led to one of the world's greatest scientific discoveries. A young Englishman, while vac uh, vacationing on his grandmother's farm, was relaxing. He was lying on his back on the an apple tree and engaging in thinking time. An apple fell to the ground. This young man was a student of higher mathematics. Why does the apple fall to the ground? He asked himself. Does the earth attract the apple? Does the apple attract the earth? Does each attract the other? What is the universal principle involved? Isaac Newton uses power to think and he made a discovery. To see mentally is to think. He found the answer he was looking for. The earth and the apple attract each other and the law of attraction of mass to mass applies to the entire universe. Newton discovered the law of gravitation because he was observant and saw the answers to what he observed. Another man because he exercises powers of observation and act upon what he perceived, he perceived, found happiness in great wealth. Newton asked himself questions. The other men sought expert advice. He became wealthy because he accepted advice. In Toba, Japan, in the year 1869, when he was just 11 years old, Kokishi Mikimoto continued his father's 
business as the village note maker. His father had developed an illness that prevented him from working. The youngster supported his six brothers, three sisters, and, and his parents. In addition to make the noodle daily, young Mikimoto had to sell them. He proved to be a good salesman. Mikimoto had previously been tutored by a Samaria who taught an exemplification of true faith consists of acts of kindness and love for one's fellow men. Not mere formal prayer uttered by note. And with this basic PMA philosophy of positive action, Mikimono, Mikimoto became a doer. He developed the habit of converting idea into reality. At the age of 20, he fell in love with the daughter of his surmoria. The young man knew that his future father-in-law would not bless his daughter's marriage with another maker. Therefore, he was motivated to harmonize with this non-power. He changes occupation and become a pearl merchant. Like many persons who achieve success in any part of the world, Mikimoto kept searching for specific knowledge that would help him in his new activity. He liked the great industrialists of our day, sought help from a university professor Yushikishi. Mizukiri told Mikimoto of a theory of one of the laws of nature that had never been proved. The professor said, a pearl is formed in an oyster when a foreign object like a grain of sand is stuck in the oyster. If the foreign object does not kill the oyster nature covers the object with the same secretion that formed the mother of pearl. In the lining of the oyster shell, Mikimoto was thrilled. He could hardly wait to get the answer to the question. He asked himself, can I raise pearls by deliberately planting a tiny foreign object in the oyster and letting nature take its course. He converted a theory into a positive action once he learned to see. Mikimoto had been taught to see by that university professor and then 
he used the power of his imagination, he engaged in creative thinking, he used deductive reasoning, he decided that if all pearls were formed only when a foreign object entered the yoster, he could develop pearls by using nature's law. He could plant foreign objects in the oysters and force them to produce. To produce pearl, he learned to observe and act and became a successful man. Now, a study of Nikimoto's life indicates that he employed all the 17 success principles. Fact knowledge does not make you successful. But application of the knowledge will action. Many of the ideas which come to us as we learn to see with flesh eyes will strike other as bold. Those ideas can either frighten us or, if we act on them, make our fortune. Here is another true story of pearls. This time, the hero is a young American, Joseph Goldstone. He sold jewelry to Iowa farmers door to door. Then one day, in the heart of the Depression, he learned that the Japanese were producing beautiful culture pearls. He was quality and it could be sold at a fraction of the cost of natural pearl. Joe saw a great opportunity. In spite of the fact that it was a depression year, he and his wife Esther convert all the tangible assets into cash and set out for Tokyo. They landed in Japan with less than a thousand dollars. But they had their plan and lots of PMA. They obtained an interview with Mr. K. Kitamura, head of the Japanese Pearl Dealers Association. Joe was aiming high. He told Mr. Kitamura of his plan for merchandising Japanese cultured pearls in the United States and asked Mr. Kitamura for an initial credit of $100,000 in pearls. This was a fantastic sum, especially in a period of depression. After several days, however, Mr. Kitamura agreed. The pearls sold well. The gold stones were well on their way to become wealthy. A few years later, they decided they want 
to establish their own pearl farm, which they did with the help of Mr. Kitomoa. Once again, they saw opportunity where others had seen nothing. Experience proved that the mortality rate of oysters into which a foreign object had been artificially inserted was over 50%. How can we eliminate this great loss? They asked themselves. After much study, the gallstones began to use on the oysters, the method employed in hospital rooms. The outside shell were scrubbed and scrubbed to reduce the danger of infection to the oyster. The surgeon used a liquid anesthetic that relaxed the oyster. Then he slipped a tiny clam, filled into each oyster as a nucleus for the pearl that was to be formed. The incision was made with a sterilized scalp. Then the oyster was put into a cage and the cage was dropped back into the water. Every four months, cages were raised and the oysters were given a physical checkup. Through those techniques, 90% of the oysters live and develop pearls. And the goldstone went on to acquire a fabulous fortune. Time and again, we see how men and women have become successful after they learn to apply mental perception. The ability to see is much more than the physical process of taking light rays through the retina of the eyes. Mm -hmm. It is the skill of interpreting what you see and applying that interpretation to your life and the life of others. Learning to see will bring to you opportunities that you never dream existed. However, there is more to success to PME than learning mental perception. You must also learn to act on what you learn. Action is important because through action, you get things done. Don't wait any longer. Read the secret of getting things done in the next chapter and move another round up the ladder of success to PMA. Wow. Talk to Stian. First, learn to see. Seeing is learned process. 19 of seeing takes place in the brain. Four finger instead of five. This was the symbol whereby George Campbell, the blind boy, could catch and hold a full and happy life. How can you use this symbol? Seeing 
is learn through association. Judge Campbell's first sight of his mother become meaningful to him only when he recognized her voice. Is it time to have your mental vision check? When it is disturbed, you can grab around it in haste or false concept bumping and hurting. yourself and others unnecessarily does your mental vision become clearer year by year take a look at a good look at and recognize what you see there may be a queer of diamond in your own backyard don't be near sight look for the fortune look for the future cypress guiding beacon a reality because Richard Pope saw it as a definite future objective. See another person's ability, capacity, and viewpoint. You may be overlooking a genius. The story of Thomas Edison is a good example. Do you see how you can relate and assimilate the principles of success to a positive mental attitude into your own life learn from nature how ask yourself some question as isaac newton did if you don't know the answer get expert advice convert what you see into reality by action mickey moto converts a theory into a fortune in pearls, goldstone, recognize, relate, and applied the principle and method used in hospital to save human life as being applicable to saving the lives of oyster. Oyster in producing cultured pearls. Until next time.